And now I will introduce today's special guest. The state of Ontario's economy has many of us losing sleep lately. I don't know for certain if our guest speaker is losing sleep or counting sheep or counting jobs these days, but it wouldn't be surprising if he were doing all three, given his position as the minister responsible for Canada's manufacturing heartland and ailing auto industry. Since becoming Minister of Economic Development last fall, Michael Bryant has faced some colossal challenges. Imagine dealing with a multi-billion dollar bailout and restructuring of Ontario's auto industry, the industry that directly and indirectly accounts for $375,000 jobs in this province. The scope and potential for financial disaster, he says, are comparable to what Alberta would face if it were threatened with shutting down the tar sands, but with four times Alberta's population at risk if things didn't work out. Now add to his staggering workload the oversight of a five-year billion-dollar program to retrain Ontario's labour force, getting our people ready to compete with the most talented people in the world for the knowledge-based jobs that power advanced economies. Then there's his role in overseeing a $500 million advanced manufacturing investment strategy to encourage companies to move into leading edge technologies and processes. To be Michael Bryant is to be one busy, bold, and brave man. But those qualities have always applied to this minister, whatever the position and the challenges facing him. Michael Bryant was elected as the member of provincial parliament for St. Paul's in 1999, 2003, and 2007. He was awarded Now Magazine's Best Toronto MPP Award in 2008. He was Ontario's youngest ever Attorney General, serving throughout the McGuinty government's first four-year term as its Chief Legal Officer, and he has also been Aboriginal Affairs Minister and Government House Leader. Before entering the political arena, he practiced law in Toronto, clerked at the Supreme Court of Canada and taught law and politics at the University of Toronto, Osgoode Hall and King's College in London. He is an experienced politician, an adept negotiator and someone who is clearly in command of every portfolio he has ever handled. That's good news because Ontario needs a very steady hand at the tiller to steer us through these uncharted economic waters. He has recently called for government to adopt a set of policies and an approach that he characterizes quite provocatively as reverse Reaganism. He says the scope of the economic challenge we face is so huge and the stakes so high that government must play a pivotal role as part of the solution rather than be dismissed as part of the problem. He's here to tell us how and more. Please join me in welcoming the Honourable Michael Bryant, Ontario Minister of Economic Development. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you very, 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 very much. Uh, I. Um, uh, and thank you for that introduction. Thank you for being here. Uh, I should also say uh, that I received this great appointment as Minister of Economic Development on the Thursday before Lehman Brothers fell. So the, uh, the market has reacted very positively to my appointment. Um, secondly, uh, I guess by way of warning, 
uh, I was working on uh, this uh, fancy schmancy little presentation you're seeing here on the screens. If you're looking at the screens and not at me, I won't be at all hurt, honest. And uh, I was working on it on the plane, flying uh, here from Vancouver. And uh, the lady beside me uh, said, uh, oh, that's so interesting. Uh, what is, oh, I know, it's, it's a thesis. Is that your undergraduate thesis? <laughs> so uh, I've decided to throw a little Latin in uh, just to torque it up. And uh, let's just say it makes it even more accessible. I said, no, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm your uh, Minister of Economic Development for Ontario, and uh, this is the plan. And uh, she said, uh, well, actually, I'm from British Columbia. We were flying back from Vancouver. And then she says under her breath, thank God. Um, and lastly, just on these uh, quite, um, this is my Peter Parker look, uh, fabulous glasses. Um, a few weeks ago in the legislature, I had a great moment, uh, unforgettable uh, moment from the perspective of the opposition. I, it had been <clears throat> 10 years that I've been in politics and, uh, you know, starting to, uh, some of my parts are starting to uh, hit the uh, aftermarket stage. And so what I'm trying to do here is uh, read without, and, you know, necessarily having to wear glasses. So uh, I get a question about Hamilton, the New Democrat party member from Hamilton asked a question, said, you know, Hamilton is in rough shape and it's all your fault, Michael Bryant. And then I stand up and I say, oh, no, 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 don't you understand we've been spending a lot of money and doing a lot of things. That's how it works. So uh, George Smitherman very helpfully flips me this uh, Excel sheet, which has on it an investment that was made that day to improve a trail in Hamilton. Uh, at which point I said, no, on the contrary, I didn't have my glasses, I said, we just invested on the trail in Hamilton, $16 billion. <laughs> Thus, the glasses. Okay, uh, uh, here we go. Yes, reverse Reaganism is uh, what we're here to talk about. Now, for those who find it offensive, firstly, thank you for buying a ticket. Secondly, for those who find it offensive, I want you to think that it's not that Reagan was wrong and that supply-side economics was wrong for its time. I am not saying that. It may very well have been right for its time, and considering that he led his country out of the malaise and the recession of its time, uh, his approach must be right. So the great communicator and his supply-side approach, his monetarist approach, was right for its time. Now, the approach as articulated uh, herein, as government is not the solution to the problem, but rather government is the problem, has a measure of complete intellectual emptiness in the sense that it's preposterous to imagine that government in this century or last century is not the most impactful institution in our day-to-day -day lives outside of the family. But be that as it may, we will just freeze for the moment as to whether it's right or wrong and just say it's not the approach for this time. Rather, the approach for this time is what I'm calling reverse Reaganism. The other way to put it, I suppose, is Obamanomics. Now, I, I, I could just as easily call this McGintynomics. In fact, Dalton McGinty was ahead of his time and ahead of the curve on the demand side approach to economics and 
on what I'm going to call the super ideological approach. More on that in a moment. But if I called it McGintynomics, then you might think this is a partisan speech, and it's actually not a partisan speech. So uh, Obamanomics is literally reverse Reaganism. Uh, these are his words. The question we ask today is not whether our government is too big or too small, but whether it works. So this is, uh, this is the dirigiste approach where the state is controlling the economy. You need to think de Gaulle, not Thatcher. Uh, it is indisputable, I say, that the state has to play this primary role in the economic recovery. I actually have not heard any political figure or economist, and maybe you're here and you will get a chance to provide a rebuttal later on, say that in fact, no, 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 the best thing right now is less regulation over the financial system in the United States. Apparently there is somebody who is against uh, that approach. <laughs> With enormous power, I should say. Uh, in fact, we should have less regulation in the United States when it comes to the financial sector, and we don't need any more stimulus in the economy. Nobody is saying that. Uh, it is an approach which is the reverse of government stand back. It is an approach where government has to jump in and jump start the economy uh, at, to allow, on a company by company, industry by industry basis, them to jump ahead. Uh, f helpfully, uh, the president gave an interview to the New York, New York Times magazine, uh, which was published over the weekend, and helpfully, I grabbed it on my flight to, uh, back to Toronto, uh, which allowed me to expand a little bit on what Obama is thinking with respect to economic policy. So I'm not citing the New York Times magazine, but I should be. He said, we're constantly searching for a ruthless pragmatism when it comes to economic policy. Constantly searching. So let's break this down a little bit. Uh, constantly searching as in, uh, we don't yet know what it's going to be. Uh, it's pragmatic. It's not particularly ideological. This is post-boomerism, best articulated by Obama, with a focus less on the individual rights. Uh, it is not Bentham. It is not Mill. It is not Hobbes, it's something else. I don't know, maybe it's Calvin. Is it Calvin, Duffy? I, I, I consult Duffy on these things. Uh, in any event, it's, it's super ideological, it's post-boomerism, it's about finding that place between idealism and realism, and it doesn't quite fit into the old categories. Generational in that sense, highly idealistic. This as an uh, Obamanomics, McGintynomics, is as concerned about the prosperity gap within as it is with the prosperity gap as between states. So it's not just about Canada becoming more competitive, but it is also about individuals more, more sharing in the wealth within an economy. Certainly something that is a focus of the, the president, of this premier, and a number of premiers across the country. More on that fiscal federalist moment later. And it's, but it's early days. I mean, he says we're searching for this. These are early days. I mean, these are early days in his presidency, but it's early days in this new reverse Reaganomic economic think, which means, amongst other things, there's going to be some mistakes being made, but governments that search and take some chances and maybe make some mistakes, 
I do believe are going to be governments that at the end of all this will have the jurisdictions that are the most competitive. So other point is reverse Reagan economics is about, drum roll please, economics. Uh, this, is, this is different. For the last 15, 20 years, uh, economic policy, industry policy in particular, has been off stage. Uh, it's, been, um, it's been the grace note, not the primary sound. It's off stage, it's not center stage. It's, oh yeah, industrial policy, and then references made by governments to fiscal policy. It's been all about the fiscal up until this economic crisis. There was a focus on revenues, there was a focus on costs. Within government, it was all about the budget and balancing that budget. And thank goodness, thank goodness, uh, the current Ontario government, uh, and thank goodness, uh, Finance Minister Paul Martin and Prime Minister Kretchen balanced our budget. But now, uh, as we can see uh, from the state of our deficits, the fiscal is not the primary test, and now it's all about economics. That's new, and amongst other things, it means this. It means that that part of the Ministry of Finance, federally and provincially, that it had this massive fiscal focus, has to shift, <clears throat> has to shift to an industrial policy focus. And it means that the ministries of economic development, mine, amongst others, are more powerful within a government. No, uh, are playing a very, very different role within a government. And in fact, are part of policy making that drive a particular government agenda. So it's less about the fiscal, it's more about industry policy, and it has to be strategic. Okay, so what's going on out there? I think everybody knows consolidation battles fighting for a shrinking market share. There we go, it's shrinking on the slide. And this is the part where she said this looks like a high school uh, thesis. Uh, and uh, multinational haircuts uh, galore. And there we go, and okay, enough fun for Michael Bryant. The uh, multinational haircuts being this. Uh, we have a situation, particularly in Ontario and in Canada, where the multinational subsidiaries are in competition with their brethren to avoid the guillotine. So will it be the office or the plant or the operation in Tennessee, or will it be the one in Ontario? And governments have to play a role in assisting those companies in these consolidation battles to survive. It's critical that they survive. If they don't survive, then there's absolutely no chance that they can thrive. Starting out from this, uh, starting out from this recession, companies are going to be in a certain state. And Buffett uh, absolutely is right. Uh, he says it's only when the tide goes out that you know who was swimming naked. We have a lot of bathing suited companies out there in Canada who are in a good position to survive and thrive, partly because of the government finances, mostly because of the state of those companies, the innovation that they have undertaken, and the state of their balance sheet. But make no mistake about it, in the current economy, flat is the new up, okay? Flat is the new up. It means if you can survive this time, you will come out of the recession, the reset, and the recovery in a position to leap ahead of your competitors. Government's role is not only to help the new disruptors leap ahead, 
It is also to help those instances within consolidation battles where it's 4852. Uh, there's a chance that that subsidiary might be closed or shrunk, or there's a chance that it might grow. And governments have to step in and try and address costs, try and address subsidies. And that's the business that government's in. It's the government as entrepreneur. More about that in a moment. Little spotlight on Canada itself and the state of uh, the Canadian finances and economy. Uh, Obama referred to the Canadian approach as the right approach. We like third-party validation, particularly from the President of the United States. And you referred over the week, uh, in this weekend publication, this interview, as uh, the Canadian approach singled out Canada as having the right approach when it comes to its fiscal situation, uh, when it comes to um, its, uh, the state of its economy, and he also said with respect to the choice of Minister of Economic Development. No. Um, I, I, that part was edited out. Uh, banking system, I think everybody knows, uh, has been ranked number one by a host of uh, institutions and organizations. Stock market, interestingly, now obviously all stock markets uh, have been performing in a way that is in the negative, but uh, which is performing better uh, than any other? Uh, it's interesting, the United States is much higher than you would think. Uh, Russia is in the basement, but Canada is number one. That's as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, thanks to Dr. Sherry Cooper at BMO for uh, providing those numbers. Uh, I don't know if that's the case today, but it, regardless of whether we're number one, number two, or number three, it's obviously a massive indicator of uh, how our economy is doing and how we're going to do coming out of this. Treasury's fiscally sound. We went into the recession with balanced budgets in most cases. Tax rates and industrial policy highly competitive, particularly in Ontario. And we are one of two countries in the world which has both an abundance of natural resources and highly educated workforce. So huge natural resources and human resources. Another massive advantage over uh, other jurisdictions. What's the best place to do business over the next five years, says The Economist? Canada's number four. I'd like to be number one, but Canada is number four. Uh, if you had been told that five years ago, you might have thought, wow, uh, to know that today is a big wow, because that addresses costs, taxes, obviously all of our advantages. But the mix of it together uh, leads the economists to say this is clearly a place to be doing business uh, now and in the future. A lot of this is because of the new fiscal federalism, and the new fiscal federalism is in fact an economic federalism. Fiscal federalism, then governments was all about federal government sending transfer payments over to provinces, provinces fighting over how much money they ought to get, uh, the funding formula, uh, the have-not, the have, uh, hopefully something to be reformed in the near future in terms of how it works. But that's not what I'm talking about when I say fiscal federalism. Fiscal federalism has now become all a part, all about the stimulus packages that the provinces provided. And so we've ended up with this asymmetrical approach where, in fact, the provinces are driving this economic recovery. Uh, TD put out in a Prime the Pump uh, titled study, TD Economics put out Prime the Pump study last week, I believe, uh, in which they looked at the stimulus packages, uh, crunched the numbers, and determined, amongst other things, that the provinces are, in fact, their stimulus packages are doubling that of the federal government, doubling that. 
So the provinces, in many ways, are, if not driving, then having uh, a massive impact on the Great Reset and the Great Recovery uh, in Canada. Because it's provincial, you'll get somewhat different responses in each province. The laboratories of democracy at work. In Ontario, uh, what we've got is huge subsidies and loans and uh, very significant tax changes and a complete overhaul of our regulatory system. Now on the regulatory system, the overhaul only addresses uh, economic regulations. It does not address uh, health and safety regulations. But uh, what we will be doing, and I'm going to under-promise and over-deliver here because I know you've heard it before from economic ministers that, that there will be red tape cut. It's not that. It's changing the system whereby regulation is a risk management approach. If there's a high risk to the public, then there'll be significant scrutiny and regulation. If there's low risk, then we need to take our chances and move quickly uh, through compliance of that regulation. Uh, but on the uh, tax front, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a huge change for the province. Uh, our marginally effective tax rate is going to be cut in half. Cut in half. Uh, and if you look at that purple part uh, of, the, uh, of the slide, you see the Ontario sales tax go from 10.4 uh, down to 1, down to 1.1, down to zilch. You'll see the capital tax go from 2.6 down to zilch. Uh, anybody who thinks that the harmonized sales tax is somehow to the benefit of the provincial treasury is, has misled themselves. This is about making Ontario competitive, particularly for an export-oriented economy. So overall, fiscal policy, tax changes for growth. Industrial policy, $2 billion fund of funds. It's the Advanced Manufacturing Fund within the Ministry of Economic Development. It's the Next Generation of Jobs Fund within the... Uh, Ministry of Economic Development, and the other funds uh, in the other ministries, which allows us to operate as an entrepreneur, the state as uber entrepreneur, uh, to which uh, Peter Monk says, this will all end in tears. He does not like the idea of governments investing directly in businesses. But if not that, then what? What, where is this capital that we'll be investing and allowing us to jump ahead? I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm just saying the delivery mechanism probably needs improvements. We could talk about that in a second. But the state has got to be strategic. And if that's the case, then we need to act as an entrepreneur and invest directly in businesses. This is governments choosing winners and losers. This was supposed to be the thing that governments weren't supposed to do. But this is the business that we are in. And one of the reasons that we're in this business is because next door, our number one trading partner, they're in this business in a Walmart kind of way. They are in this business not just uh, as partners, but they are very much competitors in this entrepreneurial battle great, wonderful, historical relationship, Canada, the United States, best friends, important start. Uh, but uh, we are going to find out over the next few years whether or not we refer to this as a period of great recovery or a period of new protectionism. Protectionism in the form 
of states making investments directly in businesses. Just a quick, uh, I'm sure everybody knows this, but we are export-oriented in Ontario. Exports are 63% of the Ontario GDP. 83% of Ontario exports are, to, exports are to the United States. This is putting a lot of your eggs into a basket. And so, this is probably also the part where she thought it was an undergraduate thesis. If the United States imports go down, Ontario GDP goes down. If more stuff is being made and value added in the United States, it is going to be to the detriment to a certain extent of Ontario. This is a problem because we're in a battle with the United States on an economic battle, particularly around energy products. $16 billion down payment, says the president, in the US stimulus bill in the form of retrofit funding, but also in the form of development of battery technologies, in the form of alternative energy, and the investment in a national smart grid. A national smart grid. Not something that we have here in Canada, mostly for constitutional reasons. So big bucks are being invested in the United States, big bucks into a big grid and into a new big energy sector. It's not $13 trillion, but Judge Posner, uh, University of Chicago uh, school guru, and uh, has recently put out a book where when he adds up all the money, it's a $13 trillion stimulus package that's being put into play when you add up all the bank and auto and loans and everything else. $13 trillion. I mean, there's just never been anything like this in our history. And that is the competition. The other good news is, in the first 100 days with this administration, we work very, 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 very closely together. From even before and during the first 100 days, you had at the political level, at the officials level, uh, you had uh, provincially, federally, and of course, uh, US federal side, complete integration in response to the integrated auto industry. It was completely integrated. As a result, it makes it more difficult uh, and it hopefully avoids a situation where unwittingly the United States is going to engage in policies that have a uh, particularly negative impact on Ontario and on Canada. So this is good that it started that way. I think you're going to see in the future, obviously, I, I can't imagine that the United States is not going to overregulate its financial system, notwithstanding the fact that they'll be looking to Canada, how do they do it? Congress. I can't believe that Congress is going to get it right. I, I mean, believe me, I hope they do. I really hope they do. But I think we are going to see some flight of capital from the United States to Canada. Why? Because Canada is going to have a solid and solidly regulated, but not overregulated financial system. This is going to be very good for us. I don't know in the post-recovery recession, and there will be one, how can there not be uh, a, a post-recovery recession involving inflation when you have $13 trillion uh, invested in the United States uh, over a very short period of time? How, how Canada will benefit? Uh, economists will help me on that front. Uh, but Canada will probably be, because of the state of our balance sheet and financial system, in a better place. In the United States, you will then see reverse Obamanomics. Reagan will be back, government will be bad and evil, and we will get some more supply side, and we will get the balance. I'm going ahead about 10 years now. But in the meantime, I want to 
leave all of you with this. We have an integration between the private sector and the public sector in the United States at a level that's nowhere near what we have in, in Canada. Uh, partly because of conflict rules, partly because of culture, and reasons that I can't quite explain. Uh, you don't, you have people leaving Goldman Sachs or major banks or uh, leading companies and serving in, in a senior administration post or a junior administration post and then going back to the private sector. You have that kind of cross-pollination at a level that we just don't have here. Everybody, I think everybody knows that. I don't know what we do need to do in order to change that. But if you've got government acting as uber entrepreneur, then we need some assistance from entrepreneurs. If you have government playing such a massive role in the economy, then the people who, have, who are affected in a very significant way need to be playing a role in that. Now, I'm doing that by coming out and seeing many of you on a regular basis. So is the Premier, so is the Finance Minister and the other economic ministers. But we need to find a way collectively to be able to kidnap you uh, from private enterprise, get your assistance in a significant way, and then send you back to the private sector without leaving you in a position where you cannot participate in capitalism for the next five years because of the conflict rules. We've got to find a way to do that. And in an informal way as well. All the unpaid uh, advi informal advisors out there uh, will be called upon. But please, if you hear nothing else today, hear this. We need you to contact us as well. We're, we're doing our best to reach out. We are, doing, we are undertaking a massive outreach effort. Uh, but you know, Ministry of Economic Development is in the phone book. And if you say, want to speak to somebody about the following subject, you will get directed to the right person. We will eventually have, as a result of the regulatory reform, a one number for business, where you don't need to call different ministries. You just call that one number, you get directed to the right ministry. But in the meantime, companies need to come here to government in order to participate in this state entrepreneurship, in this reverse Reaganism, just as government needs to reach out there. It was the boast of Augustus that he found room of brick and left it of marble. It will be the boast of McGintynomics and Obamanomics that they found this post-Lehman Brothers uh, economic rubble uh, and created the great economic reset. This is our future in Ontario. I feel, just in my gut, I feel as if we're on the cusp of something quite fantastic. And I look forward to working with all of you in getting there. Thank you. Okay, questions, cries of anguish. Sir. Thank you. Bob Wiesa, General Electric Canada. Uh, Minister, your government recently introduced the uh, Green Energy and Green Economy Act. And it was largely framework legislation, which leaves a lot of the decisions yet to be made. And I assume uh, you're working closely with Minister, Minister Smitherman on that. I wonder if you could say something about your view of the Ontario content rules that are going to be part of that uh, legislation uh, as it unfolds. <laughs> Jeez, I was being so direct up until now. Um, you know, uh, here's, uh, here, here is our approach. I mean, I think you know very well that the energy minister and the premier are very dedicated to massive reform in this area. 
And uh, partly this is being done through content, partly this is being done through the tariff rules, and partly this is being done through investments. You know what we're up against, just uh, certainly uh, when, uh, firstly you know because it's uh, your job to know, but uh, certainly from the evidence that you saw today, uh, the heavy competition that we're in. Uh, we are in the midst of uh, having this discussion uh, with uh, your and all sectors involved in order to get it right. Uh, and any sense that uh, the decision has already been made uh, and that, these, uh, that on the content front uh, the deal is done is just not the case. Uh, so we will, I should have given you an, an opportunity to give me advice in front of the group as to what it would look like, except that I already know what your advice is, and it's very good advice. So uh, the deal's definitely not done. Mm -hmm. Ah, hello, it's Jennifer Mossop. I think uh, the evidence is in this room that everybody would like to be a dance partner with you and your government. <laughs> so uh, you've got a good signal there. And, and basically, you know, uh, they do want to know what is the best way. You're going to be doing an outreach aside from 1-800-M-Bryant that we're right. all supposed to call at this point. What is it you're going to be looking for? How can we really engage? There are a lot of traditional programs still in place. You referenced Next Generation Jobs Fund and those sorts of things. But I think from what we're hearing, you're looking for something a lot more dynamic. Can you give us a little bit more specific direction? Sure. No, good question. I, I mean, it, it's going to be on both sides. Uh, I mean, I think it's uh, Microsoft, uh, just in case I'm violating their copyright here. It's Microsoft who said it's everybody's business to be in the business of economic recovery. Uh, and so it's going to require on both ends. It is. Uh, so, you know, just as there are different ways of approaching capital and getting capital, uh, and just as there are different ways of approaching investors uh, and suppliers, uh, I think business has to undertake that same effort when it comes to approaching government. The flip side of it is this. We, are, we need to put together, and we are putting together, a team that will have some private, some public. We will literally go out and approach those 50 companies that are in that 50-50 land, uh, by which I mean on the subsidiary side, by which I mean those that could go out of the province or could stay in the province. And we need to find a way uh, to keep them in the province uh, because flat's the new up and if we can keep them here then they'll thrive. Uh, after that, I don't know. I mean I, I know I'm only supposed to talk about things that I know here in speeches, but uh, I don't know. I don't know the way to get there. Uh, does it require conflict change rules? I don't know. Uh, I, I do know that uh, we have a, a system in Ontario that is less restrictive than federally. Uh, and so, um, you know, a lot of it is just getting people to think about it for the first time. And, uh, and as you would know, getting some, un, some earned media, as we call it, to try and inspire the private sector to play a role in this uh, economic recovery because quite understandably and rightly, they would see reverse Reaganism as something that could be done right and, or not. And so uh, the more help, the better. There being no more questions, I like that idea. Oh, I thought I was off the hook. Yeah, hi, uh, Adam Khan from Ryerson University. Um, given all that's going to be on your plate in terms of making decisions, what are the indices or sectors that are going to, or how are you going to be guided as to where you're going to prioritize in terms of these industries and sectors? How are you going to know where this money should go? Well, uh, I mean, that, and that is the question. I mean, it is such a good question. I mean, I'm going to give you an answer. It is such a good question, but uh, but the I mean, uh, is there right now criticism of the government's 
uh, focus on you know, aerospace, uh, life sciences, nanotechnology? No, there could be. Uh, is there uh, criticism of an, an advanced manufacturing strategy, which involves a half billion dollar loan program? It's obviously directed towards manufacturing. Is it white coat manufacturing or is it the other? What is it? Uh, the problem with um, entrenching the strategy, I mean, the good news is you need to have a strategy. So that's the searching for the strategic approach to the investment of the money. The mistake would be, I think, to do it in a way that governments would typically do it, which would be to set up a set of guidelines that would hem in uh, our ability to respond to the changing economy. But the short answer is to build on our strengths for about two-thirds of the economy. So where we are strong, we seek to be stronger. And for the other one-third of industry, we try and uh, invest in disruptors in emerging technologies, and most of this is done out of the Ministry of Research and Innovation. In emerging technologies, we take uh, greater risks uh, in order to potentially build a new cluster or build upon a new cluster that will be our future. And I, I could list all those industries in the first two-thirds right now, and if I got just half of one wrong, I would um, hear about it, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I, I, I just on that front, on the strategic front, want to say something else. We're pairing up with Quebec as well in a way that we have not before. Uh, we got the great assistance of, our, of the Honorable Jim Peterson, who I don't know if he's here today, I do believe he is, uh, in uh, working on an interprovincial agreement with the province of Quebec. Uh, the premiers of Quebec and Ontario will be having a joint cabinet meeting in the spring. You are going to see unprecedented collaboration between the provinces. And I can tell you this, the days of Ontario competing with Quebec for investments are pretty much over. The days of Ontario and Quebec teaming up to obtain new investments are here. Uh, it is going to be a seriously potent combination, and it's going to mean that our strategic focus is, is going to be branching out into new areas as a result. Excellent. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Minister Bryant. I'm going to call on Amanda Lang, Vice President of the Canadian Club, to offer official thanks on behalf of the organization. It's uh, with great pleasure that I uh, offer our thanks of the room and, and on behalf of the Canadian Club Minister. Uh, I gave some thought to Minister Bryant's to-do list ahead of this. He's a busy guy. You see him on television and in the newspapers. Uh, sometimes it seems near daily. Uh, I thought it would look something like this. Wake up, hit the gym, take the kids to school, buy car company. Explain to taxpayers why buying car company, good idea. Go to lunch. You may know that he's a boxer, has been for many years, uh, since he was a young boy, I believe. It's a sport that takes bravery and quick footwork, which I think is a good combination if you're gonna tell any room that government is good. I think he did a pretty good job. It is true, yeah. It's certainly true though that uh, transparency and integrity and honesty are all vital qualities 
from uh, governments and all leaders at times like this. Those are qualities that, that Minister Bryant has demonstrated and continues to demonstrate. I know as a journalist who has the, the privilege of interviewing him that it's, uh, it is something that he brings to the job. And as somebody who's known him a long time, I, I would say that I'm always interested in seeing what he will tackle next. Whatever it is, he'll bring his trademark zeal and enthusiasm and great skill to it. So once again, Minister Bryant, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you again to Minister Bryant. And thank you to all our guests for joining us here today. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live on Rogers TV. And this meeting of the Canadian Club of Toronto is now adjourned.